This is Wessler Media. We're standing outside the 11th Avenue entrance to the Ohio State Fair. Have you ever stopped and thought, who started this? What was the time like? What were they like? Where did this all begin? Why did this fair begin in the first place? Ohio State Fair Week. It's a big date on Ohio's calendar. Who are those farmers and what's their story? This air tire bull is a fine example of high quality gas. The chickens are well represented at the state fair. This is a grand champion bird. Why do they compete and work so hard for that blue ribbon? Demonstrations are given in the arts and crafts in which the women excel. Book rugs, quilts, cans and baked goods, all show the results of the heavy work of the Ohio farm women. Exquisitely done. What's the story behind the entertainers and entertainment at the fair? The grandstand is always filled up when the bays, the roans, and the sorrows start prancing around the oval dirt track in pursuit of fame and fortune. Here they go. Well, you're not alone. We've wondered the same questions, too. And our journey begins with one man. We'll see you at a bigger and a better Ohio State Fair. You must be LaVon. Hey, How are you? Good to meet you, sir. Come right on, squeeze in here. My name is LeVon Shook, and I'm the fair historian for the Ohio State Fair. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, in various capacities uh, for probably 25 years. His name was Charles Williams. He was 16 years old, and, and he printed those 50,000 tickets. Wait, 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 hang on a second. So what year was this again? That was 1876. So 1876, a 16-year-old boy printed how many tickets? 50,000. He was uh, in that. <laughs> the Ohio State Fair and Wessler Media are proud to present A Fair to Remember, discovering the stories of people behind this statewide tradition. I'm your host, Vince Tornero. This is Season 1, Episode 1. Smokey Bear first appeared at the State Fair in 1959. We often ask visitors, you know, hey, uh, what size shoes do you think I'm wearing? And of course, he doesn't wear shoes because he has bare feet. Oh, come on. You didn't see that one coming? No. <laughs> no. My major in college was history. No one had done it so far. The only thing I found when I tried to find out about the history of the Ohio State Fair was two paragraphs in the Ohio History 7th grade book. Therefore, it needed to be said, it needed to be written, it needed to be done. I did it. That's the voice of C. LeVon Shuck. He is a retired Clintonville, Ohio school teacher and administrator. He literally wrote the book on the fair. 570 pages and took seven years to complete. The fair... Been around a really long time, over 160 years old. It's really big, too. Over 75 million have attended. Here's one more number for you. 1849. That's when the history of the Ohio State Fair begins.
After two successful district fairs in Wilmington and Xenia, the newly formed Board of Agriculture decided to host a state fair in September of 1849. However, an outbreak of Asiatic cholera prevented that. So a year later in 1850, on October 2nd through 4th, the very first Ohio State Fair happened in Camp Washington. It's about two miles east of Cincinnati. 1851 rolls around and the Ohio State Fair rolls into Columbus. This Board of Agriculture decided to move the State Fair to Columbus to a plot of land about two miles west of downtown. On that site today, of course, stands Mount Carmel West and the Franklinton area. This location change to Columbus happened for two reasons. The first was that many of the Board of Agriculture members lived in the city. And also, Columbus was a growing town and had a booming population of about 18,000. It, it was basically one thing to serve as an educational vehicle for the farmers of Ohio. It was not an entertainment center. There was no, where the entertainment occurred was on the route to the fairgrounds in fly-by-night shows, sideshows, and so forth. Today, you drive about 35 on Broad Street, Main Street, and others. Yesterday in 1851, horse-drawn carriages topped speeds of five miles per hour, and fair entertainment peppered the streets. So who knows? Maybe your ancestors were hustled playing three-card Monty or something like find the pea under the coconut back in the day. So if you think about it, the midway entertainment you see today at the fair, well, that was born on the west side of Columbus. As you heard Levant say a moment ago, it was really strictly an agricultural event. However, it took just three years for the State Fair to begin to offer some form of entertainment. Children receiving pony rides and something that I wish would come back, monkeys dancing to minstrel tunes. That was in 1853. Early on, the fair bounced around the state to cities like Sandusky, Zanesville, Dayton, Mansfield, and eventually back to Columbus starting in 1874 to what is now the Franklin Park Conservatory. And you might recall some of the street names in that area. Ohio, Champion, and Fair Avenue. In 1876, the board arranged for a 16-year-old boy to handprint the admission tickets up in an attic so that they would have a less expensive cost of preparing for the fair. His name was Charles Williams. He was 16 years old, and, and he printed those 50,000 tickets. Whoa, wait, wait, hang on a second. So what year was this again? That was 1876. So 1876. A 16-year-old boy printed how many tickets? 50,000. He was uh, in his attic. <laughs> <laughs> it was during this time that the residents of Columbus, thanks to train travel, were topping speeds of now 25 miles per hour. New, powerful forms of communication were widely available. Newspapers. One of those papers was the Ohio Farmer, and they received this angry letter referring to a sideshow at the fair. If they had kept their display of barbarianism behind screens, not so much exception could have been taken. The vulgar scenes by the managers of the show paraded their obscene display before the eyes of the people and drove the unsuspecting like sheep down to witness the immortal spectacle. A lady in tights stood up on the platform to draw customers for a show. A lady, who ever heard of such a thing? Better call her a female animal. Can't our boys have something better to imitate than a mouthy showpiper and our girls than a female fiddler on an auction stand? Signed by an obvious alias, Lockley, from Finley, Ohio. Yeah. 
1884 now, and the Ohio State Fair has moved locations just yet. A trial period has been extended, and it's in Columbus for good. However, it was to move just one more time. But why? Perhaps it was because of this prize horse named Lily J. She knocked over a lantern, and that in turn started a blaze. So someone runs notifies the fire department. However, the fire department had trouble getting to this blaze. But why? Road construction. And here we find how things have never changed. That fire truck, or and actually was a wagon with horses pulling it, had to take a detour because of road construction. The orange barrels were in effect. <laughs> this fire sparked a conversation for a permanent location. And so in 1886, the Board of Agriculture agreed that a plot of land between 17th and Woodward, which is now 11th, those avenues, that was the place for them. And of course, it hasn't moved since. One big problem with Miss Ohio, the fair canceled. And the biggest, weirdest, and kind of disgusting price for admission. That's next on A Fair to Remember. We're back in a minute. Hey, it's Vince. I just want to take a second to thank you for listening to the show today and actually share my first fair memory with you. It was in 2004, and my buddy Victor and I, his parents, dropped us off. And I believe, uh, yeah, this was the very first time I went. And we were going to sneak into the Alice Cooper concert and, of course, didn't do it. But I remember we had $20 and all day to find uh, some way to make the $20 last. And we did. That's my first fair experience. And you know what's funny? We'll talk about the butter cow here in a moment. But the butter cow, uh, yeah, my first fair time that I went, I didn't see the butter cow. So uh, I should be ashamed of myself. I know. Check out the Ohio State Fair on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest because there's a lot of cool behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, specifically referencing things that we're talking about on the episode today. So share your fair memories with us. Go to ohiostatefair.com slash podcast. Again, that's ohiostatefair.com slash podcast. From its inception in 1850 to 1886, the fair moved around the state, but it's now finally settled into the site that we know and love today. Ten years later, in 1896... The Ohio State Fair introduced a really huge revolutionary form of new technology, electricity. In fact, the Ohio State Fair is the very first fair ever in the history of the United States to actually offer this. Horseless carriages also rolled across 17th Avenue for the first time, too. A.T. Shelton Company, they first sculpted the butter cow in 1903. However, that wasn't the only unique thing to see at the fair. Orphans as a special at the fair, meaning that you could come to the fair, decide that you'd like to take home a young boy or girl and wrap up the whole process right then and there. Here's the story in LaVon Shook. Columbus Dispatch had a special little blurb uh, regarding that. It headlined it, Boys, Boys, Boys. Responsible farmers or other persons desiring a good boy to raise or a little child by adoption will do well to visit the booths at the Children's Home Society of Ohio in the main hall of the State Fair building. Interestingly, I spoke to the Historical Society in Whitehall uh, a few years ago, and a lady after I was finished came up and said, I was one of those youngsters who was, was at the fair and I did not get adopted. And then I got another communication somewhat later than that from a lady who said her grandfather insisted that he had gone to the fair where he was taken by a family to Kentucky and adopted. 
You may recognize the opening theme to this podcast. It's the beautiful Ohio Waltz. That was performed by the All-Ohio State Fair Band, and that formed in 1925. I told you uh, previously about in 1925 when Miss Ohio contest was held, and it, it had some bad pr- vibes all throughout. First of all, one of the prime contestants took her whole wardrobe that was given her and eloped and, and never showed up. Then when they got the winner, it turned out to be a 14-year-old girl and she was disqualified when, uh, when the people in Atlantic City found this out and reported back to the fair. So they had to have a third contest to determine who should be a representative of Ohio in Miss America contest. John Philip Sousa performed on the grounds in 1928, and the Junior Fair started a year later in 1929. 41 was historic because for the first time ever, female ticket takers were hired. However, the 1942 fair was also historic, but for an entirely different reason. It didn't happen at all. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The mood of the nation abruptly changed as the United States entered World War II. With this, sacrifice was of course needed across the country. For Ohio specifically, this meant that Governor John Bricker agreed to allow the Army to occupy the grounds from 42 to 45. The Ohio State Fair didn't happen for those four years. Yes, the Allies were victorious, but the fairgrounds, when returned back to the state, they were in complete shambles. For example, in the Coliseum, the Army had ripped out all the seating to make room for their uh, equipment. The uh, grounds, instead of grass, were, were now cinders. Fortunately, the fair director at the time took photos of the grounds before they were turned over thus having the documentation needed to be reimbursed for the damage done by the U.S. Army. The total? $1.2 million. Now, you may recall the horse that knocked over that lantern and caused that fire in 1884, you know, Lily J? Yeah, she caused just over $1,000 in damage. In 1953, the price for admission was hovering around a dollar. But as a kid in the 50s, a buck could have been a really big deal. But there was another option. The most effective rat and mouse killer the world has ever known. There's never been anything like it before. There on, on the fairgrounds was a, a company that was exhibiting rat poison. Well, you see, little Elmer and his friends, the rats and mice, are pretty smart. And obviously you need rats if you're going to show an exhibit of them being poisoned. If the bait has a distinctive taste or if it kills too quickly, rats and mice have a way of warning their friends and family. So they offered kids a free admission if you brought a live rat with you to the fairgrounds. As I said, it's SS-101 that makes the bait so enticing. And they got their live rats, but they had to make a second call. There was that much demand. The most effective rat and mouse killer the world has ever known. So if you or someone you know actually brought a live rat into the fair, I want to talk to them. Seriously. OhioStateFair.com slash podcast. Smokey Bear first appeared at the State Fair in 1959. That's the voice of Greg Smith, and he's the information director with the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. 
One thing that Smokey was known for was uh, that he wore actual Levi's. So it took a lot of fabric. And we had some, some folks from uh, 4-H groups, different counties, and Ohio State Extension that helped put put those pants together every few years when they after they faded. Now you might notice that Greg is saying Smokey Bear, not Smokey the Bear. And there's a really good reason for that. His name has no the. Yeah, Smokey it's just Smokey Bear. Smokey does not have a middle name and that's that came about in the 1950s there was a very popular song on the hit parade that uh, was written and they used for metering the song with the words they put a the in the middle. Smokey the bear, Smokey the bear, prowling and a growling and a sniffing the air. He can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey. That was how he got his name. He has no middle name. It's Smokey Bear. In 2015, Smokey underwent a makeover, and he is now fully animatronic. That bear you see today is a little bit healthier too. His waist measures in at 142 inches, that's down from 154. However, he weighs 2,000 pounds, wears a size 35 hat, and is 15 feet tall. If he were wearing shoes, they'd be size 40. We often ask visitors, you know, hey, uh, what size shoes do you think I'm wearing? And of course, he doesn't wear shoes because he has bare feet. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> no. Smokey's lost a little weight since 59, and perhaps his diet consisted of the bluegill fish that live in the Natural Resources Park. I think it's about 4,000 bluegills, two to 4,000 bluegills in our fishing pond, um, and that's for kids every single day. Um, they can go and catch a bluegill, and you can either keep the bluegill, we'll actually wrap it for you and refrigerate it for you, so you can pick it up at the end of the day, or you can just toss it back, it's up to you. And a part of that, you can actually uh, see a demonstration of them filleting a bluegill and actually get samples there too. That's Jason Fallon. He is the PR manager for the ODNR. All of our things are free to do, um, which is very unique. You know, we're not the Midway. We, we don't charge anything to ride a kayak, to go fishing, um, archery, BB gun range, uh, geo walkway. Uh, that's all free. Yeah, you could absolutely call the Natural Resources Park a relaxation oasis at the fair. You can look for it near the north side of the Ag and Hort building. After Smokey's introduction in 1959, we entered the 60s, and it was during this time that your Ohio State Fair traditions began to really take shape. 1963, the All-Ohio Youth Choir was established. Three years later, the original Ohio Gate was built at the 11th Avenue entrance, along with the Sky Glider and Giant Slide, and they followed in 1969. We'll talk more about concerts in a future episode, but a major transition happened when the old grandstand made way for the Celeste in 1991. So if you want to see what concerts used to look like, Hop on YouTube and look for a 1972 concert from the Osmonds. It's funny, where teenage girls used to run with folding chairs, these wooden chairs across the dirt racetrack, we now sit in our office chairs trying to quickly order tickets online. The Ohio State Fair lasts for just under two weeks, and the price for admission isn't a $1 badge that Dad would wear to get you in. It's experienced some massive changes over the years. But I'd say that same spirit that brought people together over 160 years ago in Cincinnati 
It still exists today. Okay, everybody, get it. Ready, Governor? One, two, three. Welcome to the Ohio State Fair. Those little chicks must be hungry. Compared to the modern game with their long legs. <laughs> Coming up, a preview of our next episode. That's next on A Fair to Remember. Back in a minute. Hey, it's Vince, and I wanted to tell you to go online to the State Fair's Instagram. There's some really, really cool stuff because Steve Eyde is this guy who is the uh, collector. And I went to his house, and he has, like, over 2,000 pieces of Ohio State Fair memorabilia. And I just referenced the uh, 1850s in Cincinnati. Yeah, I got to hold. He, he's got an old 1850s admission badge. It is nuts to see what he has collected over the years. So he's put a lot of work into this. And uh, check it out online. Just go to the Ohio State Fair. Just look for Ohio State Fair on Instagram. That's the word you got to look for, the, uh, the name you got to look for. So see it on there. Lots of memorabilia on there. Also, while you're online... Um, make sure you tell us your story. I don't know what your Ohio State Fair story is, and uh, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, send us your comments, ohiostatefair.com slash podcast, and uh, that is kind of the portal on there. We can catch future episodes and a bunch of updates, too. ohiostatefair.com slash podcast. At the open of the show, I mentioned some really big numbers. The Ohio State Fair has brought together at least 75 million people over its 160-plus year history. So how do you fully cover something of that size? It's almost an impossible task. But here on A Fair to Remember, we're going to take on that task. Now that we've kind of laid the historical foundation for the fair, where do we go next? Well, agriculture started the fair, so we're going to go to the farm. <laughs> we have to put embryos in. We have to put an embryo in a cow this morning. And I never know when the vet is coming. And so he just texted me and said he's on his way so that we can put an embryo in a cow. So, so I'm going to move cattle around. Yeah, it's about the time I usually feed, 6.30 to 7. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. It's funny. When you leave them out of there and, and those OUs are all standing around, how those lambs find their mommies, and the mommies find the lamb. I, I hope they remember that that I'm a, uh, I guess I'm a farmer at heart, but I'm a dedicated, dedicated agriculture. I grew up in agriculture. That's all I ever wanted to do was farm or be involved in agriculture. And I've been able to do that in my whole life. I hope my kids remember that. And that, you know, that came because of hard work. That's coming up on the next episode of A Fair to Remember. A Fair to Remember is presented by the Ohio State Fair and produced by Wessler Media. Shout out to executive producer and PR manager for the fair, Alicia Schultz. She's given me the great honor and duty to help tell these stories. Thanks to LaVon Shook, Greg Smith, Jason Fallon, Steve Ide, and also Lisa Wood at the Historical Society. Really appreciate you keeping these memories and this love alive for the fair. Our opening theme, Beautiful Ohio Waltz. It's performed by the 1994 All-Ohio State Fair Band. These episodes expertly mastered and produced by Joey Gerwin at Orange Judio Recording Studios. And finally, thank you to anyone who's done anything at all to make this podcast a reality. And thank you for attending the fair, because you too are part of its great history. This has been A Fair to Remember. I'm your host, Vince Tornero, and I'll see you on the Midway. 
me ask you this real quick. Do you know, this may be a stretch, but do you know of anybody currently living that was actually adopted at the state fair? There was one Not, woman. Not that was adopted, no. There was a lady, and she, she perhaps no longer is living, who told me that she was not adopted in, in Whitehall. Okay, all right. I just, it was just one of those ideas where wouldn't it just be wild to have somebody... We're pretty much beyond their yeah. age span for oh, anybody wait. living. Oh, wait, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a total, a total, like, I'm just so, just zoned in on writing notes <laughs> and stuff. They'd, they'd be like over 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, LaVal, what am I even asking? You know, if you've got to tell me, hey, dingus, you know, they're probably pushing up daisies. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.